During the season of Lent, for the sermon time, we'll be sharing in both an Old Testament and a New Testament scripture as a part of the sermon. One of the reasons for this is uh, that each week the passages are complementary in some way or another. In most cases, the Old Testament presents a way of doing things that is old, and the New Testament, the Gospel reading, presents a a situation and an idea and a way of experiencing life and the Lord that is new because of Christ's intervention uh, with us and for us and on our behalf. And so this morning's sermon title, Out with the Old, is not really just a sermon title for this morning, but really is kind of a theme of what's happening in Scripture passages through all of the Lenten season. These passages, um, though, are not just chosen to show some interesting shift in the changes in religion over time. They're, they're illustrative of illustrative, illustrative of our of our life experiences and how we experience life and God and how we move forward. They illustrate how God becomes involved in our lives, and then. They prepare us as we look at these things like water and bones and death and life and resurrection to see maybe how those things are real to us as well and are not just stories locked on the pages of the book. This morning we face temptation in the wilderness. Chris told the Jesus part of the story that we will read in a moment. We'll read a passage from Genesis, the I guess giving in to temptation the first time, as we might see it. And then we see in Jesus the way that not only we're called and and can persevere, but maybe even more fully, we see the ways that Jesus walks through wildernesses. Jesus walks alone, just like we do. And hopefully we'll see that we don't walk alone, because Jesus has walked there with us as well. And so first we turn to the Old Testament book of Genesis. We'll read chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, and then chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. The Lord took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You may eat freely of every tree in the garden, but out of the tree... Of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall die. Now, the serpent was more crafty than the other animals that the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, Now, did God say, You shall not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it, or you shall die. The serpent said to the woman, You will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. 
So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. And now we turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, it is written, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you shall not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And then again, the devil took him to the very high mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and all of their splendor. And he said to him, All of these I will give to you if you'll fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Have you ever felt like you were in the wilderness? Now, you may have been lost in the woods, but I wasn't really thinking about being lost in the woods, nor was I thinking about you having been dropped in the middle of the woods like that guy Bear Grylls was on that Man vs. Wild show many years ago. I was thinking about it more metaphorically. In the wilderness, you're here, you're present, you're living your life, but you don't understand what's happening next or what to do next. You see the things around you, you you mentally, intellectually grasp a situation. But how to move forward, you're at a loss. You feel like you're in a wilderness. I think that's some of what these two passages are about. Jesus goes to the wilderness to be tempted, and, and what he does helps us, because I think it shows that he walks with us. He he understands the steps that we're walking in, the path that we're walking. But I also think Adam and Eve faced a wilderness of sorts. They They must have, because they too lost their way, didn't they? Now here's a cliche for you. This the story of Adam and Eve is as old as time itself, right? It's as old as time itself. It's, we acknowledge that it's, it's a story 
that has been around forever. It's a story that we all kind of know, and it's a story that everybody kind of knows. The story of Adam and Eve exists in, a, in the broader culture. Everybody knows what it means to see a bright, shiny red apple sitting somewhere, right? And in, in Genesis 1 and 2, we, we, we hear these stories of creation. God speaks creation into being, and then in chapter 2, God like puts, to, puts creation together and blows life into humans. And then we get introduced to Adam, or man, later Eve, or woman, from man, who was made from Adam's rib. And then they together are placed in the Garden of Eden to, to till it and to, to, to help it grow and, and produce. And they're permitted to do whatever they need to do in that garden with the one exception of eating from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Scripture says, on that day you will die. Now in Genesis 3, Eve interacts with, as Scripture said, the, the crafty serpent, Right? And, and he says, you, you surely you're not going to die. And so she takes a piece of fruit from the tree and her eyes were opened. And God says, they're now like us, knowing good and evil. I suppose if we want to have a biblical interpretation discussion, there are some words we could wrestle with, like what does it mean to, to die and when does death start? When does death end? When does death happen? Which one of these characters was telling the most truth? Is one of the characters lying or is everybody telling the truth in a particular way to get what it is they want out of the story? Certainly this apple that appears to be poisonous that would cause death the same way maybe a spy in a James Bond movie might die from ingesting the wrong thing on the spot. That's not what happens in this death in Scripture. Instead, they do keep on living and breathing and moving. They have children even though they're expelled from the garden, and they go on to populate the earth. And, and somehow they will die, as God says, and somehow they do live like the serpent says. And so maybe what's at stake is not just the words that are said here, but what it is that this story is trying to convey to us. Maybe it's not just the, the first time humanity fell, but maybe it's allegorical and maybe it's telling us something greater about ourselves and about life and the human condition. Maybe the story is Adam and Eve were placed in a garden to tend it. They weren't totally sure about how everything would work and then they made a mistake. They fell. Their close relationship with God because of the mistake they made, it was, it was severed due to their inability to resist temptation. And so they no longer knew God exactly the way that they had once. And that's an old story. And I bet it's probably a story that you have felt as well. 
It's a story that explains not just this thing that happened, but a thing that happens in and through and with us. And well, I think that that is, an, that is a way of experiencing life, and that is maybe, hopefully, an old way of experiencing life. Because that's not where the story ends. Jesus has something to say about it. And there's something that we can understand because of what Jesus did in the wilderness that maybe can help us as well. Now Jesus goes into the wilderness. It's one of his first acts. Before he ever does any ministry in Matthew, he is in the wilderness. And this wilderness first is a direct parallel to the season which is upon us, which is the season of Lent. This is the first Sunday of Lent. We're all in our purple. And we're recognizing that these are 40 days, starting on Wednesday, minus Sundays, till we get to Easter Sunday. 40 days of preparation for Easter. During this time, we fast and we sacrifice. Now, none of us fast from everything, but a lot of us fast from something. And we abstain from these things in order to tweak our spirits a little bit and help us to think about Jesus a little bit more. Think about his life and his ministry. And ultimately, this season of preparation gets us ready to understand better, to, to be more clearly focused on the overwhelming sacrifice that happens at the end of Holy Week and the celebration that happens on Easter Sunday morning. Resurrection means more to us and we see it more clearly when we have prepared for it. So in the same way that Jesus' wilderness experience is a preparation for the ministry that is ahead of him, so too our season of Lent, our 40 days of Lent, are, are a preparation of seeing him and then embracing the ministry that we're called to because of his resurrection. But I think there's a more intimate parallel in Jesus' wilderness walking today that it's worth us spending some time thinking about. Because when it comes to the temptations and the struggles that we face ourselves, which I think we probably all do, when it comes to journeying and fasting I think that, that the relationship between Jesus' temptation narrative and Adam and Eve's temptation, I guess failure, is important and interesting. See, we have repeatedly lived this Adam and Eve story. We've, we've made mistakes, we've given in to temptation, we have, have fallen, and, and that has become our story. Relationships get strained because of words that are said. We have fallen. We give in to things and we make mistakes that we probably shouldn't and then things don't go the way we want them to. And we see the great power and truth that exists within Adam and Eve's story. And then Jesus 
It's like the most churchy thing ever, right? Oh, but Jesus. But Jesus. Jesus faces uh, uh, the, the, the adversary, the devil, Satan. He faces them differently. And in doing so, he creates a way to resist temptation. But I think more than that, he faces, or he provides a kinship for us in facing temptation. He heads into 40 days of fasting and prayer, as Matthew tells us. And in the midst of this time, he faces these temptations. And, and, and you and I would, would, if we could, probably just quit. Like, I'm just going to go home. It's easier to be there and not be tempted by these bread-looking rocks. Because I'm really hungry. But Jesus resists the temptation to rely on bread that's not from heaven. And then Jesus resists the temptation to show off his great power by just calling on angels, which he certainly could do. And Jesus resists the temptation to reform his identity and and, and rearrange his loyalty by calling on something other than what, well, calling on someone other than the Lord. And in these temptations, Jesus' humanity and his, his deity and his spirit, like what made him God and what made him man and everything that made Jesus who Jesus was, is tempted by the evil one and he does manage to resist. And in the first instance of the Gospels, we see that Jesus is able to do something that we can't. And while this is certainly a story that shows us how great Jesus is, and it shows us why we should and need to put our faith in Him, I think it's also a story about Jesus wandering in the wilderness with us and for us, but but it must be a story about Jesus wandering in the wilderness alongside us. So that when we face temptation and the fallout from it, we know that, that, that God has walked along with us there also. Because I think as much importance as there is in, in saying Jesus managed to survive the temptation narrative unscathed, as someone who keeps giving in to temptation, um, that's, I don't know if that's helpful, Right? So maybe the power is not in that, that maybe the power is not just in that Jesus overcame temptation and became this great example for us to follow. Because if that's all it is, if all Jesus is doing is one thing better than we're able to do, how is he not just living into the same old law that they had that we already couldn't follow? How is he not doing something different? I think that he is. It must be that this is not just a new iteration of Old Testament demands that we couldn't meet. And so I think this narrative is about even Jesus had to walk and wander in the wilderness. Even Jesus did that. So that if we do that, he's with us. If we focus on what happens in this story, instead of just the end result of the story, 
the end result being Jesus successfully resisted temptation, we see that what Jesus faces is temptations just like you and I do. Jesus fasted and he sought to focus on his connection with the Father just like we need to do. And in the face of temptation, he certainly showed us that we can resist. But I don't think it's just about the end result of resisting. I think there's got to be a greater power. And the greater power being that in, as we walk through the steps of temptation, Jesus has walked in our steps as well. The God of the universe could have done whatever God wanted to. And with all the choices and all the possibilities, what God did was walked a mile in our shoes, so to speak. Face temptation the same way we do. And in facing temptation, rewrote that pattern of humanity that always gives in to temptation. Jesus gets through in a way that humanity hadn't gotten through before. And Jesus, in doing so, understands how hard it is, especially when we want to give in to the temptations that we face. So in Jesus, the Lord understands and resists with us. And I have to believe the Lord sometimes resists for us. And every time, the Lord is still there walking with us to pick us up when we fall. Because you and I most surely will. But in all times, Jesus is right there beside us. Having faced temptation just like we It's common for us to hear people say to us, and for us at times to say to others, I know how you feel. And sometimes they're right. They do know how we feel. And sometimes they're just wrong. They have no idea how we feel. And when we're gracious, we understand they're just trying to connect with us and help us. But I think that God knows how we feel. Because Jesus walked through the wilderness. God knows how we feel. God knows that there's no temptation upon us except that which is common to everyone. And so today, I wonder if this temptation narrative is not just a call to resist. It surely is a call to resist. We should resist temptation but to just hear that is like, we know that. Like Oprah and the Weight Watchers commercials tell us that, right? I wonder if, if this is, is a way to help us understand that Jesus knows what it's like to face life's temptations and difficulties. Jesus does know how to resist. And in Jesus' resurrection, he can come and pick us up, too. I think if this were not true, if Jesus were not walking beside us every day, then I think we would be living just like Adam and Eve. That would be the only story we had. When we face temptations, we fail. But that is not the only story we have. God has jettisoned that old story and provided us a new way. And in doing so, God promises to walk with us, to help us resist, to pick us up when we fall, 
no matter what temptation, no matter how far it causes us to fall. Jesus walked in those wilderness woods, and so Jesus still walks in those wilderness woods with us. We are not alone. So consider where you are this morning, where you are, where you're going, or where you've been. Are you lost? Are you tired? Are you confused? Are you in a wilderness and can't determine which path to take next? Have the paths you've been taking walked, walked you around in circles? If you are feeling any of those things, and you, or if you have felt them before, then I think the good news is that you are human. And the good news to that is that God is with us. As, as, as his creation, as, as human beings, as sons and daughters of Adam and Eve, God is with us, walking through the wilderness beside us, ready to pick us up when we should fall. And so this morning, as we begin a Lenten wilderness journey, or even continue the wilderness journey we've been on for a while, we do so with the knowledge that Jesus is walking through the wilderness too. And when Jesus walks in the wilderness with us, he, he brings in the new. He carries us forward. He raises us up. And maybe in 40 days, and maybe longer, or maybe shorter, Jesus will bring us and resurrect us to new life with him. And for that we give great thanks. In that we have great hope. And in that vein, let us pray together. Gracious and loving and eternal God, we pray and ask you to be with us as we journey through this season of Lent. As we fast, help us to focus our sacrifices on you. And Lord, when we give in to the sacrifices, help pick us up and make us new. Lord, as we journey and as we wander, Walk alongside us and help us to feel your presence with us every step of the way. And Lord, as we read these stories about what you did as Jesus, may we not interpret, interpret them as one-ups on our humanity, but may we see them as ways that you walked right alongside us and promised always to do so as well. Lord, be with us today and each day that lies ahead. And help us to follow you faithfully. And it's in your name we pray today. Amen.